uh, good songs, good messages in those songs. When I was a kid, I always dreamed of singing with my family. God let that dream come true. Amen. What a blessing. Brother Leader, why don't you sing with your family? And those kids can sing, can't they? Amen. What a blessing. I enjoyed that. We're going to take just a couple of minutes tonight to do a quick recap. Uh, bring us up to speed. We're going to start with part four here tonight. Uh, but I want to just take just a couple of minutes and just hit the highlights so it kind of all kind of blends a little bit better. When you find your place, would you stand with me, please? Ephesians chapter number six, verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Father, help us tonight, I pray, as we pick back up with this thought about the rules of engagement, I pray that God's people would be encouraged and strengthened through these series of messages, I pray, make the scriptures come alive to us tonight is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The first message that we looked at several weeks ago was more of an introduction type message where we kind of just dealt with the fact that we are in a battle. We talked about some of the greatest characters in the Bible. Some of our heroes that we love to read stories about were warriors. They were fighters and soldiers. And we talked about Abraham and Joshua and David and Nehemiah and others that were involved in warfare to some extent or another. And God used them in a great way. And we talked about uh, the, our identity as soldiers. And in, in 2 Timothy 2, 3, it talks about we are soldiers of Jesus Christ. A lot of people don't realize that when they got saved, but they enlisted in the army of God. Amen. And that's our identity. And over and over, he refers to the child of God as a soldier. Talks about pleasing him who has chosen us to be a soldier in 2 Timothy 2, 4. So we looked at our identity. We looked at our instruction. That is to defend, to contend, to upend, and to apprehend. Amen. And there's a lot in there. But our instruction throughout the scripture in multiple places refers to the Christian life with a, with a lot of military warfare type terminology and, uh, and analogies. Then we looked at our involvement. And I said, we're either fighting the fight or we're, we're tucking tail and running. We're hiding, we're running scared and we need to be confronting the enemy. We need to be taking the battle to the enemy. And so that was kind of the first message that we looked at. The second message, part two, was the power that we have been given to engage. And we find in our text, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We talked about how that the Bible gives us multiple encouraging Bible verses to let us know that we do not have to fight this battle alone. We have the Lord to help us and the emphasis that is prioritized and the empowering that is paramount, the evidence that is possible. We talked about all these things and these verses. And then last week, part three, we looked at the preparation to engage and how that is important that we understand the significance of putting on the whole armor of God. We find that phrase mentioned no less than twice in our text, verse 11 and verse number 13, take unto you the whole 
armor of God, meaning we can't just grab one or two random pieces. We can't walk out the door to go to work. We can't start our day with a haphazard, nonchalant, careless, carefree attitude. We have to have a warfare mentality, make sure that we are prepared to engage. We talked about having a strategic approach. We talked about having a superior advantage. Twice in our text, it says that you may be able to stand against in verse 11. Verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So we have the superior advantage. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. One of the reasons why we're doing the series is to remind the believer we do not have an excuse to walk around in a state of perpetual defeat. Amen. I'm not saying you won't mess up from time to time, but defeat should not be your normal Christian life. That of defeat and that of, uh, uh, of allowing Satan to be able to gain the upper hand in your life. And then we talked about uh, the satanic adverse adversary. And we just kind of left off with that because I wanted to pick back up with that tonight. But it said in verse number 11 that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so we looked at the fact that we have a, 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 a satanic adversary. That's really what we're dealing with here. Well, tonight, part four, we're going to look at the prompting to engage. There should be some things that motivate you and I to fight. There's some things going on around us that should cause us to have the desire to participate in this battle. I mean, we're already in it, but a lot of people are living and acting like they're not in it. I don't know about you, but I have no plan spending my Christian life hunkering down in a foxhole somewhere waiting for it to blow over. That's not my idea of fighting the good fight. The Apostle Paul said it over and over. I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. I preached a message one time on, I love a good fight. The Apostle Paul talked about fighting the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. I don't believe the Apostle Paul uh, won't, won't, uh, was hunkered down in a foxhole waiting for the missiles to stop being lobbed over. He was taking the battle to the enemy. That's what it meant to say I fought a good fight. I want to say that too. I'd like to thank Brother James in my ministry and in my Christian life, I've taken some battles to the enemy. But I think that we ought to understand this, this evening that there are some things going on around us that should prompt us to engage in this battle. In our text in Ephesians chapter number six, it says in verse number 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darts of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. I want to just focus a little bit, if I can tonight, on that one little phrase in verse number 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. If nothing, if nothing should prompt you to engage the enemy, it ought to be the evil that we're dealing with in our day. I don't think I have to sell you on this, but we are living in an evil day. Amen. And this evil day that the Apostle Paul referenced in verse number 13 is intriguing to me. There are several things that I want to point out about this evil day. The first thing I want to notice, because I believe it's referring to a satanic dominion. A satanic dominion. That's, what's, that's what verse 12 is talking about. If we read verse number 12, we dealt with this last week. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. How that it's so easy many times to get distracted and think that our problem is other people. That's not the case at all. But the Bible tells us what we're wrestling against, what our battle is with 
in verse number 12. Three subpoints that I want to give you about this satanic dominion that we find in verse number 12. We see an evil agenda. An evil agenda in these verses. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Principalities. I looked that word principalities up early this morning. It literally means a beginning or an origin. But it goes on to mean a person or thing that commences the first person or thing in a series. The leader or that by which anything begins the origin or an active cause. And I had to understand that the word principalities in verse number 12 has with it the connotation of a, 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 an agenda that is being pushed and set forth. And if you don't recognize that today, I don't know what to tell you. We are surrounded by evil agendas. And by the way, everybody's got an agenda. Unfortunately, everybody's got an agenda. Everybody's got ulterior motives. When I say everybody, I'm talking about the context of verse number 12. I'm not talking about the person sitting beside you or past that. We're not talking about flesh and blood. We're talking about the principalities and the powers that be. There is an agenda that is being set forth that has been used to brainwash the minds of people to cause the masses to follow blindly in the direction that which that agenda is being set. I never cease to be amazed at how many people that say they're saved, say they're praying, and say they're living right is completely blinded by the agenda of this world. It is unbelievable how they can sit through movies with, 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 uh, with ungodly, perverted agendas being shoved into the ears and the eyes and the hearts of the people, and they're just swallowing that hook, line, and sinker. And if you're spiritual and you're discerning, you can see that agenda. And you recognize what we're dealing with. I remember in a day when cartoons used to be Tom and Jerry. Right, right. Remember Tom and Jerry? Porky Pig, Daffy Duck. Look at what we got today. Is, it is, is the most obscene, the most vulgar, the most crass, ungodly, unbiblical garbage. That is, being, that is being spewed in, on the cartoon networks and the Nickelodeon and the, ch and the children's television programs. And, and just because it's got Disney on it, moms and daddies thinks it's okay. Hey, listen to me very carefully. They have an agenda. They have an agenda. I recognized it years ago. I don't say much about it because I got other things to preach about. But my wife and I went on vacation uh, we went on our honeymoon uh, 28 years ago. In the summer of 1995, we went to Orlando, Florida on our honeymoon and boycotted Disney in 1995. <laughs> I could see the agenda a mile off. I just lost some of y'all. We're way past Mickey and Minnie. We're way past Mickey Mouse. We're talking about the movies and the filth that they're, that they're putting out. You cannot find a, you cannot hardly find a Disney animated movie that does not have a dysfunctional family in it. I challenge you to go all the way back far as you want to. You can't hardly find a Disney movie that's got a mama and a daddy and children. They're single parents all the way back, all the way back to Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. Absolutely. It's 
And so you, you say, I never thought about that. That's what I'm talking about. The kids are sitting there watching these dysfunctional, broken homes and it's, and it's glamorized and it's made to be normal. It's not, that's not God's plan. Is everybody okay? And that's not, none of that's in my notes. Oh, that was free. I won't charge you a dime for none of that. And the evil agenda. We live in a society where evil is being introduced on so many levels that it is almost impossible to keep up with them. They are being generated at such a rate that you can't hardly preach on this stuff. In, 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 in Romans chapter 1, verse number 30, it says backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. That's a thing. That's, that's a group of people that's mentioned in Romans chapter number 1, verse number 30, right along with all the sodomites. Boy, everybody loves to grab Romans 1 when they're talking about the homosexual crowd. Hey, that's just one group that's in there. There's a whole lot more in there. Inventors of evil things. These apps, these apps, these, these games, these computer games, these, these Nintendo games and Xbox games. It's fixing to get tight in here. That's got M on the back, mature rating. Because of the filth and the profanity and the vulgarities and the nudity and all the, all the ungodliness that's on there. And we got church people that will sit up and play video games all night on Saturday night and then come to church with their eyes glazed over on Sunday morning and wonder why the preacher laid an egg. There's an agenda. It's to completely numb Last time I played a video game, I think it was in 2005. I've asked God to forgive me a hundred times. Waste of time. Evil agenda. I just confessed my faults one to another. <laughs> Evil agenda. The, the movies, the apps, the social media platforms. Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. Listen to me. These billionaires are not sitting around inventing these apps. So that you can have fun. That's not what they're about. They're not about you having a good time. It's tools. It's satanic devices. Used to put hooks in the minds and heart of the people. And half of them are owned by China. Who will not allow those platforms and those apps in their own country. Because they know how detrimental they are to the population. But they'll throw them over here to the Americans because the dumb Americans will stay up all day playing on this stuff on. and paying, spending the money on this stuff and getting, getting sucked into it. Is everybody okay? I know I'm right. It's evil agenda. Principalities. That's, that, that's the ones the Bible says. I mean, the word principality, those that commence the first thing, those that are originate, that's where this stuff comes from. That's what we're wrestling against. Pastors get up in the pulpit every service and they have to fight against all the filth that their young people has been partaking of on their phones and their computers and their iPads all week long. We've got to now try to offset all of that. Yes, amen. Yes, amen. There's not hardly enough time in a week 
Brother Bell has a pressure washing business. In some houses and places he goes, it takes him longer than others to get all the junk off the house or off the sidewalk or off the porch. And I feel sometimes like when I'm preaching, I've only got 45 minutes with the Holy Ghost pressure washer to try to wash all the filth that you've been wallering in all week. It's getting sucked in by the world's agendas. When I get up to preach, I'm fighting principalities. I'm having to deal with this junk that has seeped into the minds and the hearts of God's people. Should never be there in the first place. Right. Evil agenda. Number two, we see the evil atmosphere. Look at what it says. We wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. There is an evil atmosphere. The rulers of the darkness of this world. Darkness is one thing. And everybody that's lost, that's not saved, is in darkness. Okay, do I need to give you half a dozen Bible verses on that or can we just keep going? That, that darkness is a type and a picture of the unbeliever. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light. And the first thing God did was turn the light on to dispel the darkness. So people that are not saved are living in darkness. But we're not talking about the people that are living in darkness. We're talking about the rulers of the darkness of this world. We're talking about the ones that are in the darkness market. The darkness peddling business. We're talking about the ones that, that are behind the, the, the evil, that are organizing and, and, and perpetrating the evil and the darkness that is in our world. Because we understand that Satan is ultimately the one behind it, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. For in whom the small g God, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So Satan is ultimately the one that is the ruler of the darkness of this world. But make no mistakes, there are those that have committed their life to furthering Satan's agenda. And they invent and devise and spread darkness. They contribute to the blinding of eyes and ears and hearts and minds. This is what we're up against. It is unbelievable. I believe with all of my heart that the media, the media, I almost said mass media, but about 99% of it falls into this category. They are the rulers of the darkness. They are keeping people in the dark. Used to, used to journalists would go to college and they would, get a, they would get a notepad and a pen and they would go and they would ask hard questions. There used to be investigative reporting where they would go and they would drill down and gather facts and do research and spend hours at the library and they would talk to people and they would question people and they'd go around and they would build a story. They would give prizes, Nobel prizes, and, and they would give these journalistic prizes to people that, that took the time and effort to get to the bottom of a story. Now, nobody's not, not only are they not asking the questions, they're imprisoning the people that do. It's, it's the rulers of the darkness of this world. 
They are in the, they're in the darkness business. Are y'all still with me? You can't ask questions about elections. You can't ask questions about public officials. You can't ask questions about vaccines. You can't ask questions about diseases. You can't ask questions about wars. You're supposed to just go along with it. Just keep writing these checks. We're already $33 trillion in debt and they're still giving money away like a drunk sailor. But you're not supposed to say anything. You're not supposed to ask any questions. Where's all this money that we're sending to Ukraine? Where's it going? Shh. Russia bad. Ukraine good. That's all you need to know. I'm amazed. I'm amazed when you look at social media at how many people has a rainbow flag and a Ukraine flag on their profile. Is it just me or is that weird to y'all? It's, it's happened. I mean, I'm not making it up. They don't have an American flag. They have a rainbow flag and they'll have a Ukraine flag on their profile. And that's pretty much all I need to know. I don't have to look any further to know who they voted for and what they believe. But they're blind. They're, and they're in darkness. They're in darkness. That's what they've been sold. And they've, they've swallowed that hook, line, and sinker. This is not a political message. We're talking about the evil day. There is a satanic, satanic dominion that we are contending with. It's just amazing how many Christians don't get it. They just don't get it. They don't, they don't understand it. They really do think that their SUV is causing all these hurricanes. <laughs> they do believe it. They believe, they believe their hairspray. Right. Brother Hall, your hairspray. Is killing millions of people. You need to knock it off, man. Just get floor wax and buff it out real good. And these, these, these elite, these rulers of the darkness of this world will jump in their private jets and fly to Europe and leave a, car, a carbon footprint big enough to swallow Mount Everest and tell us we can't use gas stoves anymore. This is not a political message, but it all goes together. It's the, it's, the, it's the rulers of the darts of this world. The news and the media and the spin. It's unbelievable. Spend millions of dollars to secure the borders of these foreign countries when we got, we've got our, 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 we're being invaded right now. We're being invaded. I mean, millions of people coming across. We have no idea where they're from. Hamas. Do you have any idea how many Hamas terrorists are in this country that came right through Texas? We don't even want to know. We're going to wake up one day and find out. They're here. They're here. But you can't say anything. See, it's politically incorrect to even say anything. They tell you you're a misogynist and you're xenophobic and you're Islamophobic and you're homophobic and all these other phobics. They think if they call you enough names that you'll back off. They just don't know me very well. That don't bother me. You can call me whatever you want to call me. That's also part of the agenda. A lot of people fall for that. They just zip it. Well, I don't want to be called a name. You're in a war. <laughs> and then thirdly, we see there's evil authorities. Evil authorities. Principalities and powers. Rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Yes, sir. 
High places means places of authority. We live in a day where the powers that be and the government authorities are predominantly evil. I said predominantly because there are a few people in there fighting. In fact, I'm always encouraged whenever I go with Brother Creed and wake America down to D.C. and we go in and out of those offices and I'm able to find and we have those morning sessions where those, any of those legislators or senators will come in, share their testimony. Yeah. Many of them have been born again, saved by the grace of God. Many of them running bus routes and teaching Sunday school in their home church when they're not on Capitol Hill. What a blessing. But trust me when I tell you, that's a very small percentage of what's going on on Capitol Hill. It's a den of vipers. They keep talking about the government being shut down. The government's going to be shut down like, bother me a bit. Build a fence around it. Send everybody home. It's unbelievable what's going on. Well, that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing against spiritual wickedness in high places. In a city, Washington, D.C., where children are a commodity. Pedophilia is a currency in D.C. We, I, I have had conversations in my office. My wife was sitting there. I have been told by people in Baltimore City that you can order a child on the phone and get it quicker than you can a pizza. You say, I don't want to hear about that. It's happening. Where do you think all these thousands of children that are coming, these, uh, these, these children that come across the border, these, uh, these, uh, these, uh, these, I can't think of the word, the, uh, unaccompanied minors that are coming across the border, where do you think they're going? They're not putting them in a, in a children's home and, and, and teaching them to read and write and clothing and feeding them. They're trading them off like, like it's unbelievable. You can't talk about it. Don't say anything. That's what we're dealing with. It's a satanic dominion. Is what it is. But let me move on. Boy, a whole lot more I could say about that. I said more than I meant to. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. We are living in an evil day. As wicked a day as Sodom and Gomorrah ever was. And if God don't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, that ain't going to happen. Okay, judgment's coming. By the way, I believe we're under judgment right now. Watch the next presidential press conference and tell me we ain't in a mess. I'm using that word loosely. Uh, see, secondly, not only is there a, a satanic dominion, but I believe that this evil day in our text refers to a specific day. I believe, and you can believe what you want to. I ain't going to fall out with you about it. I believe that in the life of a Christian, there will be evil days. I'm talking about days where your whole life is rocked. Days that are not like every other mundane day. You just don't know when it's going to be. Some of the greatest Bible characters had an evil day. Some of them had more than one. I was thinking about Job. Can we say Job had an evil day? Absolutely. Job chapter 1 verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And God said, all right, go ahead. Verse 13, and there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And you know the story. 
and the house fell down. And everything he had was taken as one messenger after the other came. That all happened. Can I say it? Job had an evil day. If that's not an evil day, I don't want one. What about Joseph? What about Joseph when he walks out into the, into the, uh, the, the fields where his brethren are, are feeding the sheep and he just goes out there to check on them because his father sent him out there and they said, behold, the dreamer cometh. And what was just going to be another regular day ended up being an evil day when they threw him into a pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites. He became a slave. And then think about the day when he's in the house with his master's wife, Potiphar's wife. She began to try to seduce him. Come lie with me. He said, no, no, I cannot do this terrible thing. And the Bible says day after day. That's what the Bible says. Day after day after day, this woman stayed after him. Evil day after evil day. And then the boss comes home. She lies on him. He's thrown into prison. Evil day. He went from being the steward of Potiphar's house to being a prisoner all in one day. Huh? And we can just go on and on. What about, what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? When they, get the, when they get the email, everybody's got to gather out in, the, in front of the palace. We're all going to bow down. And when the music starts playing, everybody's got to bow down and worship this golden image. And they were confronted with this, this, this life-changing, this life-altering decision. Are we going to bow down or are we going to get thrown into that fiery furnace over there? Can we say it? That was an evil day. You get over to chapter number six and you've got Daniel. Bible says, Daniel, they came to pass the law. You can't pray to anybody except God. And the Bible says he went into his house when he got the news, when he knew. This is Daniel chapter six, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication and they grabbed him and threw him into the den of lions. Can I say it? That's an evil day. By the way, in each one of these cases, God gave them the wherewithal to withstand. That's just a couple randomly grabbed out of thin air. My point being is this. I believe that this evil day not only speaks about it in a general sense, but I believe it could be a specific day in the life of a Christian. You just don't know when it's going to be when you get that phone call, when you get that email, when you get that text message. When the hospital calls, when the sheriff's department calls, when the coroner's office calls, when your wife walks in and says, I'm done, your husband walks in and says, I love somebody else. The children have to stand there and watch mom and daddy split up, break up. I'm talking about evil day. Days when church members go into their church thinking it's going to be a regular service. And next thing you know, a bomb goes off in the church metaphorically speaking, and the church is blown to smithereens over, over sin and division. Pastors get up in the morning, and before they go to bed that night, they're on the street out of a job, out of a church. It's about an evil day. And we could just go on and on and on. I believe this evil day is a, is a literal, specific day in the life of a Christian. 
Here's the thing, okay? And I, I wasn't in the military. Don't pretend to be. I read a lot about it and I love it, but I don't know much about it. But when I, when I talk about it, I want to say this. They train, they train our soldiers for when the attacks come. They will be ready. When 9-11 happened, there were people that were, that kicked into, kicked into action. They were trained. Those firefighters and police officers, many of them that got killed when those buildings came down. Yeah, when the, when, the, when, the, when the building's on fire, you don't go sign up for fire school. You got people that's already trained. A lot of people, a lot of people enlisted in the military when that happened to go defend our country. But there was a lot of people that were already enlisted that were immediately dispatched to hot spots and places. What am I saying? We don't know when the evil day is going to be. We're talking about the, the prompting. We're talking about something that motivates and stirs you to get engaged in the battle. The evil day will. I don't want to be caught with my boots off when the evil day happens. Do you know how many Christians are out of church today because they had an evil day and they weren't ready for it? I don't know how many people I've talked to that's out of church, how many preachers I've talked to that are out of the ministry and their stories all start out like this. Preacher, you just don't understand. You don't know what happened. I know you probably had an evil day. I've had a few of them myself. In fact, I've had more than my fair share, Dr. Bittner, and I'm sure you have as well. I could write a book on my evil days. Where you wake up in the morning and you're before lunch, your whole world is shattered. Shattered. I mean, unexpected calamity hits. You better be ready to withstand the evil day. You don't have control over it. You don't have control over when the evil day hits. All you can control is how you respond to it when it happens. Amen. I'm talking about things happen, things happen, and the first thing that comes to your mind is, I cannot believe this is happening. This cannot be happening. It's like you're, it's almost like an out-of-body experience, and you're watching a bad movie, and it won't end, and you find out it's not a movie, it's me, it's happening. This is the, this is what I'm, this is what's going on in my life right now. Thirdly, we see in this verse that not only is it a satanic dominion in a specific day, but I believe there is a spiritual defense in these verses. And we see that in verse 13. Verse 12 is pretty depressing, isn't it? Paints a dark picture, a discouraging picture. It sounds overwhelming. It feels overwhelming at times. When I look around at what's going on in my country and I'm a flag-waving, patriotic American, I don't trust my government as far as I can throw this pulpit, but I love, I love my country. And I believe you can do that. Love your country and not trust your government. Was it Ronald Reagan said the most fearful thing that a person could hear is, hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you? Yeah. You look at what's going on. You look, you look at, you look at the, the whole picture. When you take a step back and you look at the whole picture, 
And you shake your head and you go, I cannot believe this is happening. My wife sent me a text message yesterday. She was shopping online for groceries. There was a bag of mixed fruit. I guess she was going to make a mixed berry cobbler. Is that what she was going to do? How much was that bag of mixed fruit? $8 for a bag of frozen mixed fruit. Eight bucks. She sent me to the store today. I was walking in the store and I'm talking to complete strangers like I know them. I'm, I'm going... Can you believe the price of this food? And they look at me like, yeah. I was like, I don't shop here. I don't know. This is nuts. This is crazy. Little box of something's eight bucks. I'm talking to complete strangers. I cannot believe the price of the food. And they're looking at me like, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, be all back better. And you look at the economy, and you look at the you look at the wars, the hot spots all around the world, and you just think you think to yourself, what is going on? And it's overwhelming. You look at what's happening in our churches, you look at the apostasy. And I know you don't hear me say that a lot, but listen to me. Just trust me when I tell you, good solid churches are falling left and right. Churches that used to be powerhouses where souls were saved and baptismal waters were stirred and people was being strengthened and families were being put together and young people were being trained for ministry. You go there now, it's a graveyard. It looks like all the Christians left and the world came in and replaced them and it's a joke. And I think to myself, what in the world? What in the world? That's why we rejoice, young people, when you live right. When you young people live right and you make a decision that you're going to live for God, we celebrate that because there's not many. There's not many. I stood up here, I stood here this morning while that ensemble was up here singing and I thought there ain't no question as where's the boys and where's the girls. There wasn't nobody going, I wonder what that is up there. Say, well, I don't know why you make such a big deal out of it. So you're part of the problem. If you think that I'm making a big deal out of nothing, you are brainwashed. Where they're trying to blur the lines, where they're trying to completely eradicate the genders, eradicate the family and the marriage and the home. And here I am trying to get men to look like men and women to look like women and act like women and and live, live like Christians. To think there's somebody would sit in the church and say, I don't know why he's making such a big deal out of that. You're part of the problem. You don't get it. You've been blinded. You've drunk the Kool-Aid. But this is not a hobby horse. I've been preaching like this for 30 years. And I've been living this way for 50. So for some of y'all, this is new. Like, I, don't, I, don't get it. Well, I don't get it. I don't get this whole dressing thing. Hey, well, that's okay. We love you. You got areas you can grow in. But some of us didn't get saved last week. And I'm not going to let a bunch of new converts or lost people or apostates tell me what I can and can't preach on. Amen. We got to stem the tide. Keep the world from gushing over into our churches. See that we have a spiritual defense. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand 
in the evil day. We have a spiritual defense. You see it? Well, here's what the Bible says in the book of James. Submit yourselves therefore to God. That's an important part of that verse. People like to quote the second half of that verse. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Yeah, but that's the second half of the verse. The first half of the verse says, submit yourselves therefore to God. These verses says, put on the whole armor of God. The Bible says, standing therefore, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You cannot withstand in the evil day. The evil day will wash you overboard. You'll become a statistic and a casualty. You'll be defeated if you take God out of the equation. Submit yourselves therefore to God and then resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, verse 12, boy, sounds like, sounds like we don't have a chance. Principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and get spiritual wickedness in high places. The culture that you young people are growing up in is so filthy and perverted and vile. It's way worse than it was when I was your age. When I was your age, if I wanted to look at pornography, I would have to go find a gas station somewhere, a little seedy, nasty-looking, off-the-grid gas station somewhere on the other side of town and go in there and buy a magazine. And even then, it was in plastic bags and it had black on the front of it. If I wanted to look at pornography, that's what I would have had to done when I was your age. But now you can look, on, look at it in the bathroom and in your bed, on your phone. We didn't have to, we didn't have to deal with that. My heart breaks for y'all. You boys, we didn't have to deal with that. Now, a lot of our guys in here had to deal with a lot of things growing up, but we didn't have that kind of availability to that kind of sin, that kind of filth. And our teenage girls, our, our, our little adolescent girls, 11, 12, 13-year-old girls, whose mamas and daddies is crazy enough to give them a cell phone, can look at more filth more sexual, depraved filth in 10 minutes than a lot of grown men saw before they ever got married 50 years ago. I'm telling the truth. And here's what's happened. They've desensitized to it. Don't even bother them no more. Hear people cussing, filth, vile, filth language, don't even phase them. Don't even bother them. It still makes my skin crawl to hear somebody cuss. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. I was at the, I was at the Rainbow Car Wash that day and the guy was on the phone, had a speakerphone on and the guy he was talking to was cussing and I just looked at him and I said, dude, bro. Dude. We got church members that stood by that all day wouldn't even notice it. Desensitized. I'm trying to wrap this message up but I feel like preaching for a little bit. We live in a filthy, vile, corrupt, perverted, ungodly, wicked, evil day is what we live in. And if you live for God and you serve God, you're going to do it on purpose. You're not going to do it by accident. You're not going to do it by accident. You're not going to live for God by accident any better than I'm going to end up at Lansing, North Carolina tomorrow night at Jeff Brown's camp meeting by accident. It ain't going to happen. I'm not going to just wake up there. I'm going to have to plan it, set my clock, get up, pack my stuff, get in my truck, jump, put it into my GPS, and I got to drive there six, seven, eight hours to get there. 
That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. If you want to be right with God five years from now, it's going to take that much deliberation and commitment. But the Bible's clear that you may be able to withstand the evil day and not become a casualty. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5, 8. Let me give you this and I'm done. Let me give you this, I'm done. I had some more notes, but they didn't print out, so I guess I'll just wing it. 1 Peter 5, 8. Listen to what it said. It says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I'm grateful we have a spiritual defense. We can resist the devil. We can withstand in the evil day. And they can all sit in their boardrooms and they can collaborate and they can come up with all these agendas and all these schemes and they can spin all these lies and they can twist the truth and they can do all this stuff and we don't have to become affected by it because we have the mind of Christ. And we're able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. I'm talking about being prompted by the filth and the wickedness to engage in the battle and not let the devil get a stronghold, a foothold in your life. With heads bowed, eyes closed tonight, altars open. Somebody might need to pray. Somebody might need to get an altar and talk to God. Maybe you've been on, on the wrong side of the battle lines. You might be here this evening and you've not been serious about the battle. We've got a couple getting baptized. You've got time to pray. Altars open. Folks are still coming. God has given us His divine power. Be strengthened to be able to withstand the evil day. Not get knocked out of church. Not get knocked out of the will of God. not to become a statistic or a casualty, but to be a soldier of Jesus Christ, a good soldier, and fight the good fight. 